Volume 10 of Comedy Album Book Club. Woo! This, of course, is the live podcast show in which we listen to an influential, loved, hated, or rarely heard comedy album and then talk about it with comedians and comedy nerds. Before listening further, please do as we have just done and listen to the Eddie Izzard album, Force Majeure. Uh, Edward John Izzard was born in 1962 while pursuing an accountancy degree at the University of Sheffield. He started doing comedy and he left school and spent the early 80s as a street performer in Europe and the US. He did escape artist routines that evolved into stand-up from his interactions with audiences. His first performance at London's Comedy Store was in 1987. He performs in English, French, German, Spanish, Russian, and Arabic. He starred in movies, plays, and TV, including The Riches, a TV show about a family of con artists, which he play in which he plays the lead. This is his tenth of uh, this is his tenth and most recent album, uh, recorded during his four-year tour in which he performed in all fifty U.S. states and. 45 countries, an unofficial comedy world record. He identifies as a transsexual, heterosexual man. I think he also calls himself a straight cross-dressing lesbian. <laughs> it's, uh, sure. Executive transvestite. Executive, oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting title. Um, his style is that of stream of consciousness, although it is very tightly scripted. Uh, this album uh, was put out as sort of a poll on our uh, Facebook page, and a lot of people voted for us to include this album, including uh, some of the people you see here tonight, some of which have been on the show tonight. Uh, my first guest here to my left is Mr. Ian McIntyre. Please give it up for Ian. Hello, yes. Uh, he's a comedy writer uh, and uh, writes for uh, cartoons and television, uh, etc. Uh, so, uh, he has such credits as Inspector Gadget, Degrassi, and The Beaverton, which has just been greenlit for season three, which is very exciting. Uh, how are you tonight, Ian? I'm fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> just so happy and optimistic for the future indeed uh mind definitely a hundred percent focused on the task at hand uh -huh. exactly for those listening uh <laughs> we recorded this on thursday june 7th uh 2018 the time is currently 10 12 p.m in toronto we have just been informed that uh it's likely that the pc government has won here in ontario that won't uh mean anything to some of you, but to some of you, it will mean a great deal. Uh, anywho, we're going to try to keep going on here. Lovely uh, to be here, Jason. Gl gl I'm glad you're here, Ian. Uh, we'll be holding hands a lot tonight, I think, to support each other. Uh, my next guest is Merle Evans. Please give it up for Merle. Woo! Yes. By give it up, I mean clap your hands. Uh, Merle is a voice actor and a singer, uh, and... You were telling me you had an art installation uh, between last time you were here and this time, correct? Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Oh, no, okay. We, you don't want to talk about it? Uh, no, it was fine. It was an art show, but uh, it, not not like an installation situation. Oh. But uh, prints are available uh, through Etsy of uh, my art. You can also buy stickers and buttons. Go to MerleTrouble.com. That's M-E-R-Y-L-E trouble.com and there'll be links and stuff if you would like to purchase my uh ridiculous surreal collage art 
Excellent. I will remind you, Muriel, that uh, sponsorship of the podcast costs fifty dollars. So I'll be getting. That um, considering how the election went today, I don't really know if I can afford to <laughs> give you. Oh, uh, this is going to be a fun show. Uh, okay. And uh, my third guest, uh, first time on the show, is uh, writer director Adam Bailey. Please welcome Adam. Uh, Adam co-wrote and produced uh, the French show coming out this year called The ABCs of Love with Adult Baby Cupid. Uh, he's also done a one-man show called Adam Bailey is on Fire, which was an award-winning show. How are you, Adam? Tell us a little bit about what's happening. Uh, uh, mm, yes. <laughs> um, no, no it, 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 it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. I'm glad that there's a lot of mentions of fascism in this album because yeah. I can just yeah. tell we're going to keep harping on that. <laughs> because this is Harpering. Ontario. Mm. Harpering. Oh, it's going to be so Canadian for womp the people womp. who are. Uh, yes. Yes. And a Beaverton writer here, too. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this that. is going to be cut out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this will probably be a 10-minute episode. I apologize for the brevity of it. Uh, we're very angry here in Toronto, uh, but of course, as Canadians, we'll be putting our uh, our fake smiles on and carrying on. So, uh, Passive-aggressive. It's the Canadian way. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. They can't see the yeah, fake sorry. smiles on the podcast. They Jason. can hear them. <laughs> uh, it's if true. you smile it, long it, enough. Yeah. If you fake smile while you're on the phone, it's true. The under other person does feel condescended to. Oh, good. Yes, uh, yeah. Try that at home. <laughs> so, uh, uh, this album. <laughs> Jason just snapped a table in half. <laughs> wow, mind. he is strong. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Ian. Uh, have you heard this album before? I had not heard it before we got ready for this show. Okay, but you're a fan of Eddie Izzard? I do, yes. I like Eddie Izzard. I would not call myself a huge uh, expert, mm -hmm. or uh, yeah, Eddie Izzard expert, um, or aficionado. Hence but I pronouncing do. his name wrong. Uh, oh, no. What did I say? Uh, you said Izzard, and uh, it's Izzard. actually Izzard. Oh, I thought it uh, rhymed with the turkey part. Nope. Gizzard? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, <laughs> Izzard. Uh, yeah, no. And, I, I, and it's actually not Izzard. It's Izzard. Uh. He, like me, is constantly <laughs> explaining the subtle mispronunciation. It is very subtle. It's, it, it's the emphasis on the first half, uh, uh, the first syllable, but it's the second syllable is pronounced ard, not erd. So as I was saying, Eddie Izord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I like his comedy. Uh, my wife is actually a bigger fan of his than I am. Uh, I've seen Sorry, we couldn't get her in the show tonight. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you should get her at some point. She loves the yeah. show. Um, uh, yeah, no, I like him. I will concede, listening to Forest Majeure, I have uh, arrived at the opinion that a little bit of Eddie I Zaid, uh, a little bit of him kind of goes a long way. Okay. And when I listen to an album of his long form, it kind of all starts to blend together for me. Fair. It's so stream of consciousness, and it's all very clever, but it's all very much like the yeah. same level of thing a lot. So uh, did, did you have a different, uh, what is your experience with listening to him or, or watching him? Or I mean, I've listened him? to his albums. I remember watching Dress to Kill uh, back in like 2005 or so. Mm -hmm. uh, I would have been a couple years old at that point and thinking it was phenomenally brilliant. Uh, I do think, something about watching him sells a lot of it. It's mm. true. He does a lot of act outs. He does a lot of visual, uh, I don't know, just engaging stuff. 
uh, when you're watching him live. I also got uh, to see him at Comedy Bar a few years ago. I want to say like t- uh, tw- 2012, 2013. Like I was yeah, also yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember being all three of us were there that wrapped yeah. by it. Like I loved yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. It was a great live show. He was in town shooting Hannibal at the time. Right. And uh, he basically just was like, I'm going to do... Uh, yeah, he was trying some stuff. Yeah, yeah, he was getting ready for a big tour. And he was like, I'm going to do two shows at Comedy Bar. And they sold out instantly. And they were great. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just like uh, listening to this album tonight, I do think his comedy loses a bit in just the audio of it. Fair. Uh, Merle. Yes. You're Hello. a fan. You've been a fan a long time. Uh, I have. I was super obsessed. I still love his album, Glorious. Um, Dress to Kill was like my second favorite. So I think like... Oh. Glorious is your favorite? Absolutely. So Absolutely. Glorious is 97. Dress to Kill is only one year later, 98. Okay, and, and so... And this one's 2013. I feel, like, I feel like I may have listened to them when they either first came out or like early, like late 99, 2000. Okay, when I was cool. So, well, yeah, that's yeah. a while, yeah. But I used to, like, listen to it just nonstop. I could pretty much quote. I got these kids I was babysitting at the time just quoting <laughs> shit from Glorious that they didn't understand. And it was just, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun getting them to do, like, the weird voices of Moses and stuff like that. It made them British, too. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They grew up. I don't know what they're doing now. <laughs> and what about you, Adam? I mean, I like that he exists. I was really happy when well, he good. was. <laughs> well, no, but like as a queer you're, person, you're not offended that he survived. I'm not offended that he that he that he's alive. Um, as a queer performer, as someone who like does very weird things on stage, I uh, I enjoyed that. There's a, a someone who really pushed that envelope, especially in the '90s, and it's just very funny that it took a straight queer comedian to mm-hmm. to you know be one of the first really popular ones out there. He's like, oh, I, I like to put lipstick on and squirrels take it out of my tree. And uh, I love that bit. I, that's a great bit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I'm glad that there's other more queer comedians out there now that people yeah. really like. Do you think that he helped sort of be a subtle? Transition into people being okay with it Trans- because oh he's straight he just has a little bit of nail polish on and one hundred percent yeah I, I, th- I think it's not ironic it's, like, it's he's a straight man who happens to be a transvestite yeah um, not transgender or transsexual uh, right. and I think that kind of eased it in for other people because he also has these very jockish qualities like even in this album right. where he's making fun of like oh I don't listen to musicals though that's the gay men and the ladies right. and, and so I watch Die Hard. Yeah, and uh, it feels that like goes he a can, long way. It feels yeah. like he can, uh, <laughs> I also watched Die Hard, <laughs> but he's in this middle ground, right? Where it, it seems like he can sort of get away with making fun of people on both sides without offending anybody. He sort of he seems to be almost the comedian that's the center line uh, between gay and straight comedians. Well, I mean, like part of the reason why I really liked him in the beginning is because. Um, I come from a family where my father's father um, used to dress up as a woman and lip sync to Carol Channing and Marlena Dietrichs at their uh, church drama club. Your father's in the 50s. father. Yeah. In the fifties. Wow. Yeah. And His then your father's Carol my Channing. my mother's <laughs> grandfather. Who was a farmer <laughs> it used to um, troll his wife by like stealing her clothes and putting them on and then like doing things like they'd go to the beach and he'd go back to the car early to get changed and when he came back Emma would be sitting with the kids on the beach being like there's that woman looks like she's wearing my handmade dress (laughs) that bald woman looks like she's Auto, take off my dress (laughs) Uh, so so back then for me for me like as someone who was like 
I I I enjoyed uh, dressing up as a man. I I enjoyed um, like David Bowie and stuff like that. So Eddie Izzard for me was just like a natural progression of like, oh, I'm kind of a cross dresser. I come from a family of cross dressers. This feels normal for me because this is how I sort of view gender, and this is also how my family who right. are straight dudes also view gender. They're just sort of like, but fuck it, I'm going to dress up because I want to look pretty. So, but it makes, I need to ask, like, it feels like some of that was at least under the guise of being hilarious. Like, that was considered being really funny and controversial and out there for a man to dress as a woman. But, but do you also, think it was also... Oh, because the thing is, we have this beautiful picture of Ken and... I'm named after my grandmother, Merle. We have this beautiful picture of Ken and Merle. Merle's wearing a suit. He's wearing long opera gloves, flowers in his hair. He has this look on his face like a like a five-year-old kid who got caught doing something they knew they really shouldn't do, mm. but they really enjoyed it anyway. And it was from Mardi Gras when they went right. down for Mardi Gras to just whatever. And right. they, they cross-dressed as a couple. And like huh. the look on her face, just looking at him is like one of the most beautiful family pictures wow. we have and you know and he that would have taken a lot of guts back uh, then well he was a psychologist was and he was explaining to my dad in the 50s like remember gay was considered um, uh, a mental illness until the 70s mm-hmm. and my dad had noticed that there were these two men in the drama group in Hamilton in the 50s and when he asked he was told by by Ken and Merle well you know it doesn't matter who people are as long as they love and respect each other that's the most important thing. So he was getting like, there's nothing wrong with gay messages from a psychologist in the 50s. That's pretty progressive. Yeah. So wow. like, wow. you know, uh, that's the sort of family I came from. This was normal for me when I found David Bowie growing up in Oakville in a very conservative <laughs> place. I was finally like, oh, thank God, I'm not the only one. Like there's another one in the world. And then. Uh, you know, Alan Cumming in Cabaret. I'm like, oh, God, there's three of us. And then Eddie Izzard, I'm like, oh, there's four of us. Wonderful, wonderful. So in Oak, growing up in Oakville, though, yeah. like, did you feel like you were you were the only one, like, in school? Or was there a... Oh, yeah. Well, I was also undiagnosed autistic. Uh-huh. And I'm artistic And you autistic. went to school in the 90s, late 90s? Uh, I was school? born in 82. Okay. Yeah, I outed okay. myself. Um, mm. But but yeah, so like for me, like having these like um, liberal arts parents um, and this sort of like queer positive family background growing up there, I it was not a fun time. I was bullied right. a lot. I was called a effing weirdo. And I should also point out that in grade one, there was a trans kid. Oh, and wow. I was the only kid at our school who was like, no, Aaron was supposed to be a boy and not born a girl. And just stop making fun of Aaron. And there, all the kids were just like, you guys are fucking stupid. But I was the only one who was like, no, it makes sense. Aaron keeps saying Aaron's a boy. Why are you arguing with Aaron? Like, let Aaron be a boy. Right. I'm not dead naming anyone, by the way. At least Aaron is a very convenient name to transition with. Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 the only way I could dead name them is if I tell you how it was originally spelled. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. No, so, so my love for, for Eddie Izzard is on, like, kind of a little bit of a different level. But yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean that I think everything he does is fantastic. Sure. But, but did you consider him a bit of a role model? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Abs- Abso-fucking-lumont. <laughs> but yeah. uh, not you, Adam, right? You had a different well, experience. No, it's it's not. Once again, it's not that I don't think he's great. Just I, yeah, I, yeah. I think I got 
I got over him because he he was representing this thing that that in my mind was a bit more of a straight space because mm-hmm. he because it, it, he's not claiming right. to have different like he just likes to wear the clothes and that's almost more of a libertarian right. point of view. It's yeah, like, yeah, totes, totes, <laughs> like, totes. I, I work with people who are who are autistic during the winter and I sometimes they have real hard times with the rules around those things and so if they meet someone who's transgendered or queer they have a really hard time with it because there are rules and they live a very institutionalized life. Some of these people. And I had to explain to one woman I work with that she's like, well, if he's a man, he shouldn't wear women's clothes. And, and he was getting really mm-hmm. upset. I'm like, well, whose clothes are they? Who bought them? And she's like, well, yeah. if they're in his size, who bought the clothes? And she's like, well, I guess he must have bought them or someone gave them to him. I'm like, well, who owns those clothes then? Well, he owns those clothes. Well, then how can they be women's clothes anymore if he owns them? <laughs> like, he just made the transitive property, like, the noun. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> and the, that's actually something that Eddie would joke about all the time. It's he's like, like the they're spoon. not women's clothes. I bought them. Oh my God, he made yeah. that joke. He's actually made that joke before. So, well, yeah. there you go. Eddie Izzard helped me explain transvestism <laughs> to, like, just psychically to people in the special needs. Oh, community. I should also say that I saw Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was 11, and that changed my life. So, you know, y- you know who I am. <laughs> uh, s- straight white man, Ian. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, thank you. Uh, I did put my hand up for a question. <laughs> um, Education this hour. This isn't about you, man. <laughs> oh, no. Just <laughs> kidding. Uh, <laughs> Before Being you attacked speak. by the other Woo. straight white man to my right. Uh, <laughs> my question is, the word transvestite, where are we at with that word? Um, transsexual and transvestite are two different things. Um, this is what my problem with the remake of the Rocky Horror Picture Show is because uh, Dr. Frankenfurter was always a transvestite. That was the point. So when they cast a trans woman, despite the fact that... Um, uh, Ms. Cox was fantastic in it. Um, it still muddies the water right. by mm. suggesting, oh, a trans woman can play a transvestite male. It's not actually, oh. this is someone who's transitioning as opposed to someone who's just like, no, I like to fuck with gender clothing. But is it not possible that in that narrative they made? Rocky, a transsexual person, as opposed to I a transvestite. D- I don't. Well, I guess they, they there's did, a song, but that, but that also messes right. up the American like argument about like you know man in a dress going into the washroom. Like so, it, it kind of muddied that water, being like you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I saw an interview line. with uh, with uh, with Eddie asking about the the issues with going into a male or female washroom, and he said, "Just rip out all the urinals, and then it won't make any difference." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is fair. I've been into a fair number of bars and restaurants where uh, it's just single stalls, yeah. and they're locked stalls, and they just have toilets in there, and uh, everybody washes their hands together, and it's kind of nice. Yeah. Not that big a deal. More people wash their hands actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because True, the people they want to go home with are watching them. Yes. <laughs> when the sinks are out in the open, everybody washes their yeah, hands. That's a good it's call. just except yeah. for you. <laughs> One time when I was a teenager, what? I uh, went on a trip. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. He's right. Oh, I uh, before and after every time. I'm the last. Anyway. Uh, when, I, when I was a teenager, I went on a trip to Mexico, and I went to a gas station bathroom, and there was a trough on the wall with uh, a trough. like pipes in it. And then a trough on the other wall with pipes in it. And I realized that one was the urinal and one was the sink. And I had no idea which was which. Oh, my God. Oh, no. So wow. as a teenager, I had to stand in the corner in a Mexican gas station bathroom and, and wait, wait for another guy to come in. <laughs> and, like, creepily watch him and follow his lead. How have That's I never amazing. heard this story before? Is that true? Oh, yes. That's amazing. I was in a part of Mexico that actually had... Um, 
you you had to get your toilet paper going into your stall. <laughs> oh no! So you needed to know how much you needed oh, on your way into Ooh. the bathroom. Oh, that no. was a difficult. That is thing a nightmare. <laughs> Everyone in Mexico, I found out, keeps um, three or four pieces of toilet paper in their back pocket just in case they guess wrong. What pieces? Well, no, this is like in Japan. <laughs> in Japan, there's no toilet paper anywhere. So on the street, they hand out um, instead of like postcards and flyers, they hand out um, printed packets, toilet paper. No, packets of Kleenex with, with the advertisement on what? it. So you just get these packets of Kleenex, and then when and you, you go take out, them, because yeah, you, you want do. Them. Because you're in Harajuku and you're like, I don't know where the Clocus's bathroom is. I don't know what this says. This looks pretty cool. Oh, there's a cat and a, I don't know what gender that is, but that says something cool. I feel like I would hand out Kleenex with my competitor's logo on it and be like, wipe your butt with this. <laughs> oh, that's good. See, I was just saying the package had the logo on it, but you know what? Go ahead, print on the, pay the extra, print on the actual Kleenex. Yeah, like Coke rules, wipe your butt with Pepsi. Oh, Pepsi. Yeah. Man. Anyways, back to transvestite. <laughs> hey, and you uh, know this 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 comes around. He does talk about the toilets, uh, different types of toilets yeah, later true, on. Actually, so yeah. I guess I'd, it's just to me the word transvestite sounds outdated, and I keep really, thinking for yeah. some reason that it's like it's a word that we don't use anymore. It but kind I also of don't isn't. Understand. I, I think yes. I think it's yeah. just it's one of those things. Like, it's just someone else's moment right now, and so linguistically it's weird. And there's a real issue with anyone who's not transgendered doing. Um, cross-performative stuff, even though you're supposed to be wanting to smash gender in the first place. Like, mm. There shouldn't really be a reason why I can't wear a sexy dress and you can't wear a suit. But right now, at this moment, some people are trying to take up space and be like, yeah. this is how the world is for me. And so confusing that water for them while they're having this moment is more the issue than men should never wear pretty dresses and women should never wear smart suits. And this is where non-binary people sort of come in. Like, I don't identify as non-binary, but I have always felt androgynous and sort of in between. Right. Um, so I, I use the androgynous term and still say, all right, I'm a cis female, but I'm androgynous. Um, but you can call me sir. I like that. Yeah. I'll take I'll take she, her, and sir. Thank you. But no, great, I yeah. think Adam's... Is ma'am off the table? I don't like, ma'am. Fair enough. <laughs> Good to know. I get really excited. Any people have, like, automatically called me sir. Like, I, no, I'm not even joking. They'll just call me sir, and I'll just be like, yes, yes, I, please call me that. I, do you feel that <laughs> I'm sir, awakening inside myself in a strange way? Do you feel that? Uh, I mean, I guess obviously we live in a society that has traditionally valued men above women. But do you feel like uh, the title? Wait, what? <laughs> so, sorry to hit you with that hammer, Ian. Uh, <laughs> do you feel that the term sir is almost by definition higher than the term ma'am? Well, I mean, I, like macho femme is a term mm. that is sometimes used about me, and right. the sort of macho part of it is where this sort of sir comes in because I seem to be very sort of, I think the words are alpha and dominant appearing, so that's where okay. the term sir kind of comes so do in. You, do you feel you're more respected if, uh, if someone says sir as opposed to ma'am to you? No, I just think it's really funny. I have a friend who, <laughs> I, I have a friend who calls Fair. me sir and earl in a disparaging earl. way, but I love the hell out of it. They, they yeah. keep trying to make fun of me by calling me sir, and I'm like, yes, yes, give me more of this. Call me sir. I feel like who I am called, I anymore? <laughs> I feel like I get called sir, but it's like an obligation. You're more yeah. of a ma'am, Ian, like, really. Like they look at me and they're like, I guess we have to. But yeah, when people I've call me ma'am, it weirds me out. I've I've heard, I'll take a miss or a ms. I've heard day. Ian called ma'am much more than he's being called sir. By and you, it, actually, it suits yeah. you, yeah. Well, 
What's the rosy cheeks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's because I take terrible care of my skin. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's I like, all right. I have the worst acne on stage right now, so it's okay. It's a good thing it's a radio show, a pan- podcast, podcast show. Podcast. That's why I dressed up because it's a podcast. I also I'm wearing like neon hummingbirds right now, and no <laughs> pretty one dope shirt. I love it this is. shirt. It's great. Uh, so uh, okay, so I want to get back to uh, so we were talking about uh, Eddie Izzard. Uh, <laughs> Not for a really, while now, but uh, no, that's true. Uh, but uh, I, I want to ask if because he doesn't necessarily he, he's a heterosexual male, but he's he identifies as a transvestite. I want to know if you guys think he is still an important voice um, on behalf of queer comedians or, or queer performers or, or queer people. Tumblr would general. agree with that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. How so? Well, just I'm a lot of the like little queer babies that are on Tumblr and have all their Tumblr <laughs> pages are really, really admire him and have admired okay. him for a long time. I, I, the word problematic comes up around a lot of people, yeah. and that's not really one that, hmm. um, you know, he's a, he's an old dame of the community. I right. think he identifies as non-binary now, um, but I know that he's definitely not into, like, transitioning. He just really right. likes makeup. He likes getting his nails done. Oh, God, he likes getting his nails done. <laughs> I mean, um, it feels like a brave thing for me. I mean, obviously, he's in the the demographic who has the least to lose. He is a white, straight man who but is he, a millionaire. I mean, it's also, like, it's also natural for him because, like, he talks about the fact that when he was a little kid, he was, like, stealing the makeup and stuff like that. So right. it's not a put-on. Right. It's no, something no, that's, yeah. like, really been a part of his personality when he was younger. Right. And being able to talk about that publicly really helps a lot of people who are struggling with their own shit to yeah. be like, I also like wearing makeup. Right. Like it would be easy you know. for him to not do it because it's not part of his act. He but just it's disingenuous. And when you don't talk right. about those parts yeah. of yourself, you, you end up feeling really kind of like, you know, I think that the existential dread kicks in and you, right. you have to sort of be like, I think there was a. He tried for a long time to not get on stage right. being pretty, but after a while he's like, fuck you, I want to well, wear a pretty outfit. Yeah. And you can't do your act unless you're embracing all those weird things about you. And you have to embrace that stuff because your, your comedy won't work unless you're being authentic to yourself. I have one of these like right. mm-hmm. weird, yeah. humongous, large backgrounds that doesn't make any sense to people. Like, I, my mom got divorced and remarried so many times, and to radically different types of people, like a, a really flaky teenager who was my dad who moved off to BC, and then I got adopted by her next husband who was a minister in an oh, evangelical wow. church. Oh, oh my God. And then she left him, and she and she uh, was with this uh, truck driver who was an alcoholic and believed in aliens for like one year. We lived in Toronto for one year, and then suddenly she moved in with like a member of the outlaw biker gang, and we lived with him for the next seven years while I was coming out of the closet in Belleville, Ontario, trying to figure out how to be gay in this hick town. Your mother oh. married the cat of a Judith Thompson play. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Congratulations. <laughs> but my stuff didn't take off until I started talking about that shit publicly. And I right. could only, I have to compartmentalize it because it is too much. Yeah. But 
when I was trying to be relatable, nothing worked. And then the minute I did Adam Bailey is on Fire, which was all about dad number two, um, suddenly everything took off and I had this, this comedy show that would just take me across the country for like a couple of years, just talking about what it's like with the idea of hell rolling around inside of your head and how that's a giant mindfuck, especially when you're gay and you know you're gay, and so you know you're going to hell and what that means to know you're going to oh hell. And so I didn't have great wow. funny material until I was like, well, this, this is funny. I do think that's the, tr the, the path for a lot of people to do comedy, though, is like, I'm going to start out and I'm going to do something that's very close to the middle because I'm learning like the comedy fundamentals. And right. then once you get those under your belt, you're like, oh, OK, how can I incorporate my actual self into this? And as soon as you if you effectively do that, then all of a sudden you stand out. Mm -hmm. It's so funny to me, like, Jerry Seinfeld is considered one of the best comedians of all time, but I feel like he absolutely never got to that point. He, he was always the observationalist comedian you were supposed to be, like the kind of comedian you started. I don't oh, know, he have you seen that back then? Well, I, it's true, but I, I feel like he never became, it never became about him. He never became super personal. Oh, I would disagree. Really? I don't know, have you seen the B movie? <laughs> uh, the height of Jerry Seinfeld's uh, powers. Yes. I have not. But I, yeah, I always saw him as like airplane bathroom stuff, like uh, not like here's me growing up type oh, of thing. But here's back the then, struggles like, I went through. He was starting. Uh, yeah, but I think so much of his personality comes through in that really mm. dry, analytical. Uh, what about this thing that happened to me in my day to day life kind of thing? He's like, just a milk yeah. token. Toast individual who managed to achieve right. milk toast greatness. <laughs> yeah, but at the time, like no one else sounded like him. It was oh, only yeah. years yeah. after he became famous that everyone sounded like. Right. Him. Sure. Yeah. True. Yeah. Well, or yeah. Larry, Larry David. It's, it's to be probably Larry, yes. In fairness, yes, a lot yeah. of Larry David. And, and I would say that it's only the last like probably 10, 15 years that we really demand that we understand and hear from our comedians as. Uh, true points of view. Mm. Um, I think a lot of comedians uh, up to the last like 15 years were talking about everyday stuff we could all relate to. And it, it wasn't until recently that they started talking about, well, here's why my life is so bad. And then they realized, oh, we relate people relate to that too, no matter how personal they get. I want to go back to yeah. the Seinfeld because I yeah. think he does talk about who he is because for him, he's yeah. like a professional comedian. Like that is all he's right. ever wanted to be and he knows yeah. the math of comedy because there's the yeah. two sides. Right. There's the math side of comedy and then there's the 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 more fluid, zingy, like on the mm -hmm. on the, on the the edge side of comedy. And, yeah. and for him, it was, this was being a pro. I can take these jokes into any room. I know what order I'm doing them in. He knows what he's yeah. doing. And, and the thing that he's famous for right now um, coffee uh, and comedians and cars yeah. is all about exploring the professional side yes. of these other comedians. And For that's sure. what he really cares about. He wants right. to know about their professional process and who they are as professionals. Yeah. And so he is being his honest self. Mm -hmm. That's just... Some people are mathematicians. Some people are surrealist artists. Mm -hmm. I, would I would like also to see a young person do a show similar to Jerry's because I feel like he is of mm -hmm. a... A style of comedy, even though he did things nobody else had done. I feel like he has very much um, sort of the, uh, like Henny Youngman feels like an ancestor to Jerry Seinfeld. You know what I mean? It feels like comedy just, of course, led to Jerry Seinfeld. And I think since then it has become much more diverse and personal mm -hmm. and raw and... 
uh, you know, you could argue that there was rawness in, in like Lenny Bruce and Bill Hicks and people like that. Uh, but I feel like now we're talking about who these people are, and and now audiences are demanding we know who these people are, and we're we're away from just oh yes they've articulated how I look at life. Uh, it's beyond that, and now it's like oh I know what their life is actually like. But I think it's still all relatable. I think we live in more of mm-hmm. an alienated, um, mentally unwell society. So a lot of people like to hear more of the weird shit. They need yeah. to hear the Maria Bamfords because mm-hmm. they're yes. like, yeah, oh right. God, like this, my life is falling apart. And she's, well, I mean, okay is a broad word for Maria Bamford. But like, <laughs> you know, if you've heard her, if you've heard her song, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, it's kind yeah. of like, you know, that's, I think, a but lot of yeah, people need I, to I, know I think that's amazing. Alone. Like, yeah, and I, I don't think people had realized that uh, until very recently that the most personal, uh, individual stories are still relatable. I, I would actually say, ironically, to this conversation, and this might be an unpopular opinion, I actually find Eddie Izzard's comedy very impersonal. Mm-hmm. Aside very, from no, the I way that he that. dresses yeah, yeah, and, like, sure. unapologetically presents himself, yeah. so much of his comedy is just referency, like, it's very. He's, I don't know. Here's a, a Bible story. It's Moses, and yeah. oh, what if they were out walking in the desert, and there was another guy in the group named Steve who Stop was it. like, "Let's Stop talk it. a different way," and he was like, "I don't know, Steve." Stop it. He's no, no. You're right because that, that's actually something I wrote down. He's a surrealist historian. Mm-hmm. You, if you distill down all of the stuff he does, you can just say, "Well, he's a surrealist historian who yeah. does comedy." Yeah, and you can't you can't almost take out a certain bit. Like this whole album is almost a sentence. It's, it's, oh my it's, fucking God. it's exhausting. A little bit. Yeah, there, there's not like you can't YouTube clip a great bit of him because. Mm-hmm. It, you ever been it, at a party with like an autistic ADD person who's like really funny? <laughs> I and mean, we fun. all have. I uh, mean, <laughs> um, maybe I was that person when I was 20. But like after a while, they've just gone on about stuff. You're like, this is really fascinating. And after a while, you're like, <laughs> How do I th- get the fuck out of this? Like, yes. you're a genius, but I need a... T- can I have a cigarette break? Like, what's at going on? At times, I feel like Eddie Izzard has the attitude of, I'm at a dinner party with you, and I'm the most fascinating person you've ever met. But, oh, 100%. Uh, and I'm yeah. not going to let you interrupt me. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a bit of the queerness, though, and I was I was saying this after yeah. I listened to it the first time, and I'm digging down on the second time, because I do a lot of surreal stuff and, and a lot of high... Uh, intelligence work, and I think a part of it is. As you just call th- yourself highly intelligent. No, I said I do highly intelligent work. That's different. Some that you <laughs> exactly I, I, yes. that you create. I also walk into walls. Story so. <laughs> like, okay, checks enough. out. Proceed. Um, <laughs> it comes the thing. You know, we have we have yings and yangs. Um, and so I was wondering if part of that was in the queerness trying to find yourself in history because mm, we know yeah. that that mm. that queer people existed throughout history. We know that as a fact now, but they were erased from history. Mm-hmm. And so right. anytime you hear about it or talk about it, it feels anachronistic. And a lot of his jokes have to do with anachronisms in history. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I was like, there has to be something about that because you even as you start pouring through and trying to find it, anytime you do, it just feels so weird. It's like, and the historians will be like, well, he might be gay, but... Maybe he's not, and so we shouldn't say that he is, as opposed to, he might be gay, so let's just call him a faggot. Yeah, um, like Leonardo da Vinci was gay as fuck. Like, oh, there's so gay. All these people throw those ornithopters? Come on. <laughs> are, there, are there degrees of gay? Of course. Uh, uh, bisexual ah. visibility uh, month pride, thank you. Uh, you know, yeah, of course there's degrees yeah, of Yeah, Jason, gay. I'm on their side now. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just interesting Bisexuals when I hear somebody say pansexuals exist. When I hear somebody say, is super gay or totally gay, like 
does that just mean, of course, they were gay, or were they more gay than someone else? Who well, I think there's a Kinsey scale that we can uh, <laughs> reference. Uh, but I also think he means like, like the, the like when someone is gay and femme versus gay and butch, and there's also mm-hmm. like the straight dudes who sometimes have had an encounter and call it, but they identify straight and they're, right. like they're not bi, they because they identify as straight, they just had a sexual yeah. encounter with right. the dude once, and they're okay with that. And so then there's super uh-huh. gay might actually sort of actually be, uh, oh look, that person is super. Super expressing the opposite gender of what they are, you know, mm. identify as. Because you know, right. you see the butch lesbian, and you're like, oh, she's super gay. Or, you or see could the be like just drag queen, and you're like, he's super gay. Maybe, maybe she's just being really good at being gay. <laughs> maybe it just means that they're like super slutty. You know, I won a <laughs> Halloween costume contest dressed up as super fag one time. So, my my mother in high school. When Please she describe was, this costume. My mother in high school bought me because she wanted me to be a skateboarder for some reason. Uh, oh, wow. For Halloween or in life? Skate, skateboarder is a gender. This is when... <laughs> this is also when it's she was in denial about me being gay and she did not want me being gay, but my mom's also cheap and has weird things. And so my mom bought me these, these um, from the giant tiger. Uh, giant rainbow... Tiger. Knee pads. You're and, already and rainbow on this elbow pads. Oh my God. And like I had like a rainbow safety set to go on to my skateboard with it, which was clearly. And you were like, what, 20? This is this is super gay. That's yeah, what yeah, super yeah. gay looks Yeah, your mom made you super gay. How so, old how old were you? Oh, she she bought it for me when I was like Oh, I was in I was in grade nine or something when she bought so it for like me. So fourteen. Like, yeah, but I I never wore it in high school, and she forced me to take it to university with me, and I was like, I was like, why did you pack this? And then I was going to like a fratty chalk bro. So Halloween you're an adult party. man, and your mom forced you to take time, rainbow knee pads. My first time ever wearing these knee pads. I'm like, well, I'm going to the, this jock Halloween party. What should I wear? And I was like. Oh, I should dress up as super fag, and I got the gayest shirt ever. I got the knee pads on. I gave myself. A and cape. were you out at this my... point? <laughs> well, effectively, yes. Effectively. Well, listen, they're rainbow color knee pads, so like you're ready to go. Okay, well, you're is, giving is the message the and ready to go. Is what I'm asking. So, this... so we all dropped shrooms, and I won a Halloween costume. <laughs> I'm in love with this story. My, my, I have friends um, who still call me SF for short because of that oh, costume. Wow. For super oh, wow. fag, because I identified as a fag at the time. I used that. I was trying to reclaim the word. We're not supposed to do that anymore, and I hate that. Yeah. Dan Savage has been told to stop. Like all these people. Really? Yeah, it. Mm. I, it's, I, yeah, I, we kind. Yeah, yeah, we kind of. It's a weird thing that, because yeah. so, you don't know when you're passing. Right. Right. Yeah. So like, I can say it right now in context, but like, if I'm yeah. saying on the street. And and if Ian is gay and I don't know that he's gay and he doesn't know that I'm gay and I'm just like right. dropping yeah. dropping F bombs. Ian might perceive it as hate he, he might perceive him. that he's in an yeah. unsafe space now and so yeah. we we we've all right. stopped. So it's it's different than the N word because you can tell when someone has black <laughs> skin, uh, <laughs> but but you can't tell someone's sexuality and therefore it, mm. it's it's a weird thing. But at the time in the, um, I felt that it was like we were trying to reclaim that word, mm-hmm. and so my part of reclaiming was to dress up as this character, and wow. go to. Uh, a Mississauga jock Halloween party. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Comedy Album Book Club is being retooled as just a podcast about Adam's stories about his mom. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay with this. Yes, I'm so there for this. Me too, me too. It's a 20-part series. Uh, 
Cool. Well, how was the reception at the party? Like, what, how, how did you feel? What was well, it? Well, I, I won a couple keg stands, uh, <laughs> which is how the name really took off because it has that nice three-syllable chant. Uh, yeah. Super, <laughs> super. It's unfortunate how catchy it is. It's very catchy. <laughs> and, that um, seems both empowering and also, like, terrifying. <laughs> like I said last time, like the thing someone hears before they're murdered. Oh. I don't know. Hey. I, I don't think most people use a, any kind of slur or hate and put the word super before it. <laughs> Especially not when they're That's holding you upside down by your ankles so you can drink beer out of a keg. This, like. is, this sounds like both super dangerous and like super great. Only for my liver. <laughs> <laughs> super can only be good, usually, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. except super intendant? Super majority. Try to live without one. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead, Merle. <laughs> I'm a big fan. This podcast is sponsored by the Superintendent's Board of Canada. <laughs> I sh- should have told you that ahead of time. <laughs> Big fan of the supers. Love all you supers I listening. Just, uh, I, ju- I just voiced uh, <laughs> uh, my second thing for Ontario Nurses Association. So. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. good Excellent. for you. Yeah. Uh, guy, what are your what are some of your favorite parts of this album? What are what are some things that really speak to you guys that uh, you find really funny or clever or interesting? I mean, it, it's oh, yeah, really Eddie hard. <laughs> yeah, back to Eddie <laughs> Izzard. Uh, Never. <laughs> I, I find it uh, I find it tough to pin down. There are there are lines here and there, but like I said before, it it, it really it's really interesting to me. We were talking before earlier about uh, that we've all seen him at Comedy Bar, and Ian, you were telling me how Mark Andrada, a friend of ours who yes, does sir. tech sometimes at, at uh, Comedy Bar, he teched both shows because Eddie did uh, two shows back to back that night, an early and a late show, and he was saying uh, how. Both shows were virtually identical. Yeah, yep. I, I was talking to Andrada afterwards about like, oh my God, it felt like Eddie made up that whole show on the spot. It felt mm-hmm. so improvisational. It really does. And he, he said like to me, he's like, exact same, word for word, yeah, both shows. Yeah, that blows my mind. Like, I, I believe there was like a little bit, like a few little bits that were just a little mm-hmm. bit yeah. different. But like, sure I was in the front a row little. for both of them being yeah. like, oh, wow. uh, uh, like, I barely remember it. I was that much of a, like, dumbass fangirl in the front uh, row. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> when I heard that, though, I was simultaneously impressed and disappointed because I thought, I, I, I feel like I was fooled. I was like, wow, mm. this guy's stream of consciousness is absolutely amazing. But then I also, you know, I was disappointed that it wasn't really that. But I also really respect the idea of being able to craft something to such a degree that it sounds like that. Mm-hmm. It like, doesn't it say like a, a lot about him as an actor? Absolutely you know? it does, yeah. Well, to, to be able to write something that sounds like you're mumbling and, and, and jumping and, and uh, experiencing these tangents that come out of nowhere, I don't know how you write. You said he was a street way, performer, so. right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that, yeah. That, that, that it comes from that because he was hanging out with uh, vaudevillians and clowns and things, and those sure. sorts of people script things very heavily that sound mm. very improv because That's they true. have to be safe and they have to have codes and they have to. And you can feel mm. it in this. There's like, like when, it, when he starts, like, oh Steve, Steve, oh I, I'm just lazy about making up names, and yet the punchline at the end of side one of the album is Steve. Steve. Yeah. And so, so he made it look like it was an accident. It sounds like yeah. an amazing accidental callback, but it's absolutely contrived. But yes. the whole thing is like that. And I yes. have heard him talk about the fact that he what he used to do when he was on tour is he would start doing improvisation stuff and then um, just basically write on stage and mm. then make that his next show. So he started huh. having to like separate that because people would complain if they saw the end of the last tour and the beginning of the next tour they kind of saw the same show and yes. he started like right. getting shit for that. Mm. Um, so he, he 
I think what it is is that he did actually do all those things as stream of consciousness and then like played the tape back, memorized whatever yep. the fuck he did. I can wow. see that. You know? yeah. Well, I've heard that uh, he doesn't actually speak all the languages that he does his shows in and that he's learned some of it phonetically to... Oh, wow. But I don't know if that's true. That's that I think he does actually know French. <laughs> yes, I and know I think he knows the rest French. of the stuff he does sort of phonetically uh, yeah, do. He's really he's really hot for the Europe idea. Huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. English, French. He, I know he knows, but he also performs in German, Spanish, Russian, and Arabic. Like Russian, that is, he can't speak. On side right. B of the album, he he says that his mother used to speak to her best friend in Morse code. Like they would speak, boop, boop, boop. Like they had this way of speaking in Morse code because they both were both in the army. And so I think his language thing comes from that. And the voice of God on side one of the album at one point is like, wouldn't it be weird if God spoke in this weird language? And he does like a weird Morse code And he repeats it perfectly, exact same time. Yeah, right. And it's, 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 uh, I wonder so if there's a hidden also, message in that. Guys, bit. he was oh born my God, in. Yeah. I wonder if there is. Oh, <laughs> holy shit. shit. The hidden message is this is all very scripted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to yeah, believe he is, that. He is from Yemen, so he might actually be able to speak Arabic properly. Okay. Yeah. Ye- he's from Yemen. He's what? from Yemen. He was wow. born in Yemen and then moved over uh, it, real is young. It, is it now called Yemen? Because at the at the time he was born, I believe it was called the District of oh, something. I don't have like, that. Oh, 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 my. Uh, but it's part of the British oh, Isles. He's yeah, the he's, of, he's, yeah. he's a, he's yeah. a Brit. He's, he's a British still British, citizen. but he was yeah. He was, when I found that, I was like, he's born in Yemen. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I guess that makes sense. How many people do you think mooed after the show? Like people would leave the show and be like, "Yeah, cows do sound like goats." I <laughs> love, I love that bit <laughs> so much. Cows already sound like goats. <laughs> Did you know that he co-wrote and uh, produced uh, a, a TV show, at least a pilot for BBC called Cows? And what it was, <laughs> it, you can find it on YouTube. The pilot. It's like a twenty-minute episode, and most of the cast is humans dressed in like rubber cow suits. Oh good, oh good. It's crazy. Oh, how, good. Is, how is that not a hit? <laughs> <laughs> BBC, what are you doing with yourself? <laughs> Netflix, pick it up. Oh Netflix, my pick God. it up. So uh, he was born in the colony of Aden. Okay. Uh, the colony of Aden, or Aden colony, was a British crown colony from 1937 to 63, located in the south of contemporary... Yemen. Correct. So, you're right. <laughs> wow. We'll cut that out. Uh, <laughs> I've read Wikipedia, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get to some uh, audience questions here. We've got a couple. Um, Eddie seems like the kind of comedian who is funnier with the visuals. Would you agree? Do you think that's because he's famous or just because of the kind of comedy he presents? kind of comedy he presents. How so? Um, well, if you think about, I believe it's just to kill when he does the whole um, like squirrel eating makeup situation. Did, uh, did I leave the stove on? No, I'm a fucking squirrel. Like the, his <laughs> eyes, the way the way he like held his fingers to right. his mouth and he looked around and and his beautiful makeup eyes were just like bright and shining and looking all over the place. And if you've seen his Darth Vader act, the way he sort right. of flounces around the stage and does all the gestures and stuff, yeah. like it definitely, I definitely enjoyed the video presentations of most of his stuff. I did enjoy the DVDs way more right. than just listening to them. They I'm made tr- more fucking sense. I'm trying to remember, he doesn't perform with a mic, does he? Or no, like he's he has got like a headset. Like a headset. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So he has his hands free. He's doing a yeah, lot of acting. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you, do you it runs guys back and forth on the stage always. Like yeah. one end over there, over there, yeah. over there. Do you think most comedians benefit from being seen visually? Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen some of those comedians? Ouch. Oh. Adam, you say yes. Why? <laughs> take that, Stephen there's Wright. Just a, there's just a pause hey. that you take. Oh. <laughs> I like Stephen Wright. First comedian I can think of. <laughs> but am I wrong? <laughs> Listen, anyway, we live, Adam, we you were saying, sorry. <laughs> I mean, we, we all know, like, you take a pregnant pause, you do it, like, you make a face. Like, there's, right. just, there's a thing about you yeah. that, that it's, it's not just the joke, it's you telling the joke. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Sarah Silverman on Jesus is Magic, she does this wonderful thing at the mm-hmm. end where she has people from the audience who saw the show go into another club and tell her jokes verbatim and just watch them just not fly. Uh, mm. Because it's just it's just not her telling the jokes, and so it doesn't work because you have to be... I'm like, Mitch Hedberg is really, really funny on his own, but then when you see that that's what he looks like when he's <laughs> doing this stuff, it's an extra level of like, oh, no, this is great. <laughs> His, this guy's uh, I, serious. I he works so well for me audibly, though. Like listening oh, to his albums. He absolutely does. You know? But like when you doesn't see do any the visual. sort of like, yeah. Did, but when you see what he looks right. like to pair that with the voice, you're like, oh, this is even better. This is exactly. <laughs> of course, he looks like that. Of course, oh, he does. So do Yardley Smith looks funny, but works better just as a voice actress. Like her yeah. Lisa Simpson is like one yeah. of the best things ever, and yeah, yet, right. and yet she she has kind of like a funny look to her but whenever I see her on camera I'm less I, I, I laugh less so you don't, yeah, when, I, when I see Yardley Smith on camera I'm like oh yeah that's your voice yeah. <laughs> you, you look well, like the woman who has that voice did you guys ever see that 90s sitcom Herman's Head yes. 100% and loved she it. was in that and she played one of the yeah voices she was funny head. on that show yeah. but like I've seen her like when she does cameos in other shows and in that terrible uh-huh. Stephen King movie and um, narrow it down yeah. <laughs> I don't know which one you're talking about there ah. it is there it is I went to the Langoliers, but yeah. Much more <laughs> I, he uses some actress a couple times. Maybe he's got, mm. she, she read one of his books on tape that I listened to <laughs> in high school. Oh it was like a very God. bizarre, oh amazing. Lisa <laughs> Simpson <laughs> reads Pet Cemetery. I, I can't imagine. I need to like. find this. I need to hear So this. you don't think The Simpsons should be a live action show with the actors <laughs> who voice them? Oh, the what? H- Hank Azaria is a poo? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that it's one. It's already problematic. Who needs the yeah. quickie mart? I do. And everyone cringes forever. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> I have another uh, question from the audience. Uh, Eddie mixes very specific references with utter absurdity. How do you feel the two elements complement one each other? So this is probably, you know, he obviously is intellectual and has lots of historical references at his disposal, but then adds the most ridiculous things to it. So do you feel they complement each other and how? Life is already absurd. <laughs> but I mean, they also, the All right, absurd Truffaut, stuff kind of does make sense. Even like when he's making fun of... Uh, uh, the hair of uh, King Charles is like right. you put a spaniel on his head. That's where they come yeah. from. And you're like, well, it is the opposite, but also, ha ha, that's funny. Well, I you think the, I think the genius of the of the two things is that he makes it accessible for people who maybe don't get the reference. Yeah. Like you add something absurdly obvious to something that maybe you don't understand, and you have something to laugh at, and you don't feel like you're being talked down to. Yeah, I don't. I also don't feel like he ever makes references that are that obscure. He's not a. He's not Dennis Miller. Exactly. Uh. In fairness, nowadays Dennis Miller isn't Dennis Miller. Uh. Uh. Ooh. Oh, 
Oh, that's Ouch. there's no ooh there. Yeah. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. Dennis Miller has gone downhill. It's yeah, funny because it's funny. true. He's a dick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I said it. Yeah. You're all thinking it. But it's uh, like so yeah. much of Eddie Izzard is like take random historical figure like it's King Charles but what if King yeah. Charles had a silly hat you'd be like oh, yeah. I have a silly hat but you're also King Charles and then well, go yeah. on for 10 minutes and Romans are fascist plumbers oh, I that mean was like so that's smart so like great. it's yeah. a fact well and that that's one thing I really like about him too is that he, he really explores in a surreal way things that nobody else is talking about and, and makes them fun and you know we can all talk about airplane food till we're blue in the face but he's talking about things nobody's talking about I was a little disappointed that he he mentioned Julius Caesar when he talked about Caesar salads because th the Caesar salad invention has nothing to do with Julius Caesar well, it's the king of uh, salads because Romaine is the king no. of lettuce <laughs> there's a man Eddie Izzard on the historical inaccuracy no I'm calling out Eddie Izzard on the historical uh, inaccuracy oh, 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 Edie Izzard oh, 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 oh. right yes in oh, 1924 oh. there's a man named Caesar Cardini who owned a restaurant and invented that type of salad and it's named after him in the 20s, it has nothing to do with... Yes, but have you Rome. seen that meme with the uh, bottle of Caesar salad with the knife in the back of it? I mean, come on. Right, that trumps history. Right? Yeah, no, memes, I, memes I trump up. history. <laughs> no, 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 if Jason. If Trump I, shows us anything, memes trump history. Jason, I really want to hear your hilarious Caesar Cardini bit. <laughs> I, I think we should explore that. Well, then you'll have to buy my album, Ian. Uh, now on <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> no, that won't be out for some time. <laughs> I believe it's pronounced iTunes. <laughs> no, no. iTunes. It's actually iTunes. 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 <laughs> yes. So, Merle, I know you have a story about Eddie Izzard. Yes. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> I was at JFL. I can't remember what year that he did the, um, he did the main show at uh, JFL Montreal. Uh, I feel like. 2014 or 15 or something like that. Um, so we went to Paul Provenza's set list, which is where um, the comics, they get a set list that they haven't seen ahead of time, and they have to just, based on like each uh, <laughs> line, they have to improvise a set based on whatever these like little references are. Because, you know, when you make a set list, you have, like, if you're not a comedian and you read it, it's not going to make any sense, but they're words that trigger you. Right. Right. So... He was the surprise guest there. Um, and so he's on stage. I'm with um, this odd, uh, shy girl who kind of is like seventh level clinger. So like, it looked like we were a lesbian couple, even though we weren't. Um, she was just sort of like, don't. Level clinger. Well, she was, she was more of a like, don't, don't leave me and I can't go back to the Airbnb without you sort of type. Also known as a class thing. five free roaming vapor. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> Um, Some yes, people will yes. Get that. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretending I do. Uh, <laughs> so he does the show. Um, uh, Todd Berry makes fun of my laugh uh, oh. at one point. Um, and after the show, like we go out to talk to him, and um, he, I, I had this whole thing in my head that I wanted to talk to him about because I wanted to let him know, like you know, like. I really appreciate you because I come from this family um, that has mm. cross-dressing on both sides and like I'm kind of a bit of a cross-dresser myself so I really appreciate that in you. But I was wearing something really femme that day. 
So I kind of was like, I gave him my spiel. So here's the thing, if you meet someone you really li like, just like don't have a script in your head. Every time I've had a script in my head to meet like one of my idols, it has been the most awkward, stupid shit. And I should have just like sort of like let the conversation happen like a normal fucking at least two or three times. Um, what were the other people? Um, Alan Cumming. Okay. Um, and Eddie Izzard again. <laughs> He's the most awkward. You didn't learn the first time. <laughs> uh, no, Eddie Izzard was the first time. Yeah, no, I didn't. I was um, hoping it was going to be Bowie for your trifecta. Uh, let's not talk about that right now. We're still hurting. I saw the uh, Bowie exhibition in Brooklyn. I cried. Oh. I cried. It was so glorious. Um, Glorious. Eddie Izzard's album. So this album. is the first time you met him or the second time? Oh, this is here? actually like the second or third time oh, that wow, I okay. met him. Wow. But it had, like the first time I met him, it was like in a, in a lineup at HMV to like, <laughs> and he didn't, I was doing a shtick getting a picture taken for my friend who couldn't come and asking him to hold up a sign and he had no idea what our in-joke was about. So he's like, ah. Uh, what did know what the this sign gun. say? I can't remember, but it was for my friend's staff. It was like 2003, so I really don't remember. But okay. it was just like, all right, what are these weird goth kids doing? Uh, okay. <laughs> they look like they're from the 1940s, but also 2003 goth. 2003 goth, huh? Listen. <laughs> no, I, I, I've yeah. been, I've been, goth for life. You. Goth for life. Life spelled L-Y-F-E. <laughs> goth for life. Right. Wow. Um, Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know who I am, guys. Don't yeah. judge me. And um, you've been that since 1993. Good I've, for you. My whole goddamn life. <laughs> don't even don't even start with me. Like I said, when I found David Bowie. Um, so uh, so we go up to him afterwards, and I'm I'm trying to give him my shtick, but he's sort of like seeing oh these two femme girls. I can I can relate femme ish to them. So he immediately starts showing off his long fake um, manicure that is the British flag but also the European Union flag. <laughs> and he's like, ooh, look at my nails. I look, it's also, you know, I'm, I'm British but I'm also like pro-Europe. And where and is this? This is in like a dirty little club in Montreal okay. on the second <laughs> floor. I don't remember which one. Paul Provenza's roaming around being Paul Provenza. Um, all right, so <laughs> y'all don't know what Paul Prevenz is like. That's <laughs> fine. Watch Green Room. It's fine. Do drugs <laughs> with him sometime. It's fine. Um, <laughs> um, so, so he starts like trying to talk to us about his, his nails, and like, I don't give a fuck about getting your nails done. I'm not that type of person. I don't right. give a shit. Clearly. So like, I'm trying to. Anyway, anyway. Um, so I don't. I don't. I don't care about nails. He's trying to talk to me about his manicure and other sort of girly things. And I try to give him my whole shtick and say to him, like, you know, oh, and I'm like, I'm a cross-dresser too, but, like, I'm in my girl drag today. Um, drag meaning, like, just an outfit. Right. And a lot of non-binary people will be like, today I'm wearing my girl drag, today I'm wearing my boy drag, and they'll use both of those terms. Mm. And this kind of relates back to the Wembley story where he was like, yes, I think I'll go back to Wembley because he's – in his own head and not actually understanding what the other person is talking to him about. Right. Um, and so I start trying to explain to him, like, oh, you know, I really appreciate you because I come from this cross-dressing family. I like to cross-dress myself. I'm in girl drag today. And he looks at me and he goes, but you're very femme. And I'm like, oh, yeah, just today, though, but I'm, I'm wearing, you know, I'm wearing femme outfit. But, and then he goes, no, but your mannerisms are very feminine. And oh. I'm like, no. And uh, like, I'm just like chatting with him and sort of like arguing with him. I'm like, you yeah, but I'm really like, I'm a boy inside, like whatever. Dude. And 24 hours later, I turn to my friend and I'm like, wait, did 
was I in an argument with Eddie Izzard about whether or not I was a trans woman or not? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, wait, why the fuck didn't you interrupt and tell us? And they're like, I, I didn't care. And I'm like, great, cool, you're an awesome friend. Um, so I got in an argument with Eddie Izzard about whether or not I was a woman. And he just kept being, but you're really femme. Your mannerisms are really femme. Like, I don't. And then at that point, like, he was so keen to talk to us. And then after that conversation, like, he kind of was like, huh. And then, like, left. And I kind of was like, wait, did, did he think he was about to pick up, like, two lesbians and then got really confused by our conversation and then was like, I can't deal with this. I'm going to leave because this person confuses me. I don't know. It was just... It was or two beautiful men. Uh. Well, yeah, it just... It was, it was very <laughs> odd. And I thought he thought he was, like, going to, like, girl bond with us and then was like, but you're... But you're all right. So this is some trans lesbian thing. I don't. I don't. I got. I got a show to do tomorrow. I'm not. I'm not going to continue this argument. But yeah, I had no idea until later. I was like, oh no. So looking back now on this argument between you and uh, Eddie Izzard uh, about <laughs> whether or not you are a, a cis female. Yeah. Was he right? Sorry. Did you just <laughs> ask me if I was a cis female or not? Like I feel like first Maybe of all, he knew more about rude. You that's you none of your business. Uh, second off, oh. yes, I'm fully aware that I'm as this female. Um, and but yeah, it was just it was it was super weird and just super awkward and just we were like both trying to communicate, but like there was a wall between us where like our 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 ability to interact was just like bouncing off each other. Yeah, but you're femme. No, but I'm a boy on the inside. Yeah, but you're femme. No, but I'm a boy on the inside. I'm just in this thing. But like, you know, because I feel like when, okay, uh, bye. <laughs> it probably didn't help that he went on like a 10 minute tangent about like the Sword of Damocles where he's like, <laughs> but just imagine the Sword of Damocles and what if the sword was instead of cucumber and then it would be the cucumber of Damocles and that's not, like, that's not very dangerous at all but it's yeah, the cucumber yeah. and it's hanging there. <laughs> pretty much, That's what made it so much. confusing. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, uh, thank you so much. Uh, that's our show, uh, whether you like it or not. A <laughs> uh, uh, big thank you to my guest, uh, Ian McIntyre, who you can find on Twitter at Mr. Ian McIntyre, M-A-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E. Not for uh, long, if tonight's any indication. Not for long. Twitter's going to be no fun for a while. Uh, you can also find uh, Merle Evans at at the Merle, T H M E R Y L E on Instagram. T H E M E R Y L E. Yes, uh, we got sorry. It. The and the is spelled T H E, not the T H E E. Jesus Just, Christ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Adam Bailey, you can find at Still Your Friend on Twitter, where I'm sure you can find out about his various uh, comedic musings and shows he's doing. Uh, you can follow me, uh, uh, Jason Deline, at Jason Deline, where you'll find uh, random. Uh, BS and uh, Comedy Album Book Club is also on Twitter at CABC Podcast where you can keep up to date on episode releases and special events as well as suggest albums to us uh, as well as guests we're also on Facebook and all your favorite podcast apps we'll be back next month when we'll be listening to and talking about the Robin Williams album Live at the Met until Ooh. then oh, oh. <laughs> The sound of everyone in this panel regretting they're not on next month's panel. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have not announced the panel, and maybe we'll have seven people on next month's panel. <laughs> people seem mildly excited about that idea. Uh, until then, I'm your host, Jason DeLine. Thank you so much for listening to Comedy Album Club. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.